Now the fun begins. Welcome back to another episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and of course, PC gaming, including news, rumors, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all of their major podcast services. So be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, review us, all that jazz, wherever you get a podcast at. You know the whole rigmarole I tell you every week. Do it or else, you know, this isn't a threat, but I'll fucking break your knees. I don't know. Um, no, but seriously, uh, wherever we're not on there, let me know. We'll get us on there. Uh, and you know the whole jazz review us and shit because the algorithm says so. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast. Stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like, and of course, our dope giveaways. I'm your host, as always, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelist on most internet platforms. Joining me, as always, one is Mike Peepack and... Making his return to the Game Pass Gamecast, the one, the only, Adam Marshy Marsh. So one, Mike, what's up? Adam, two, what's up? Uh, I don't want to... Rock, really paper, scissors, one of you fuckers go. <laughs> I want to give the floor to our, uh, one of our, you know, original members of the pod. Um, I want him to go ahead and fill everyone in because, uh, for me, you guys hear me say the same shit every week, but I- I'm, I'm genuinely... Uh, curious, and I think everyone else would be happy. If you've been with us from the beginning, uh, you probably want to listen to what Adam has to say. Yeah. So Adam, old, why don't you fill us in on what's old, been going on, bro? Old fucking snake in the grass back again, <laughs> Mike. What are, they always come back, man. They always fucking come back. <laughs> no, can't get rid of me fully. Adam, <laughs> it's always great to have you back on the show. What's good? What's going on? And what have you been playing, my friend? We'll get in the one game. Obviously, you see the title of the show. You know what the fuck we're playing. But yeah, 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 yeah. outside of that, what are you playing? It's always great to be back on the show. Thanks again for having me, guys. Mm-hmm. As far as what we've been playing, obviously, <clears throat> our main topic today is going to be on Elden Ring. Mm-hmm. We'll get into more of that later. Besides that, uh, before the release, which was just this past Friday, I've been playing um, a couple of different things. A um, little bit of Pokemon Legends Arceus. A mm-hmm. little bit of this uh, little JRPG called Wolf Stride. And uh, I just picked up Ice Pick Lodge's new game, Know By Heart. I haven't played a whole lot of it yet, but I'm looking forward to getting into that when I find some time when I'm not busy stuck in Elden Ring. Yeah. <laughs> Ice Pick, what, what's the game they're known for? Cause Pathologic. I, that, I was going to say, I thought that was the studio behind Pathologic. Um, yep. Nice, nice. I was going to say, clearly, obviously, we're going to be talking about Elden Ring, but that obviously has been the, um, the big driving point this week for our gaming habits, but... Um, but in general, it was nice to... I, I, I figured you, like me, play a lot of different things um, in terms of just random shit that will pop up that interests us. Um, yeah. But I figured there were at least a few more in there, too. But but yeah, Mike, like you say, they always come back, baby. They yeah, always fucking man. come back, man. <laughs> Every time. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But as always, great to have Adam back on the show. But guys, I don't want to necessarily hold it up too long because... Like I said, it's clear what we're getting into today, um, and it's the big topic, the biggest topic in gaming right now, 
from Software's new game, Elden Ring. And yes, this is our review of Elden Ring. I would say more review in progress because none of us have rolled credits on this game yet and probably will for quite some time. Uh, like most reviewers who are reviewing this game uh, will tell you, it's fucking dense. <laughs> it is a big fucking meaty game, man. Um, so just to kind of like set the table, I guess, for where all we're at with this game right now. Um, I at least think we're just all about, I'm right under the 30 hour mark, I believe. Yeah, like right under the 30 hour mark. Mike, you're right around there as well, I know. Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, I just hit 30 hours uh, right before recording. Okay, yeah, and then Adam, you're at 50. So you've been you've been cheesing it hard, man. You've been grinding, I love it. I've been putting in a little overtime. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's, this game really leans into that so much. It's so much more, and we'll obviously get into our kind of top level thoughts, but the game so I think does so well. It really, how do I want to put this? Respecting your time in a really great way that it kind of can fit into any nook and cranny compared to as somebody who played Dark Souls and Sekiro and stuff like that. This tends to feel much more of a, hey, I have 10 minutes. I can go and do X, Y, and Z in this game. Um, you know, that compared to, Something else that's like, well, if it's a Dark Souls, it's much more linear and there's only certain things you could do at certain times where this game's a little more expansive. And I think it fits to that. Hey, I have a half an hour in between meetings at work. I'm going to just fucking jump on and play, um, you know, and that adds up really quick. So I'm going to start with you, Adam. I want to get your top level thoughts of this game. Uh, I want to go around, just kind of get our brief where we're at with this game, what we're thinking of this game. Um and just kind of like a little, I guess, a little background with your obviously, because you're more in line with me with your experience with Souls that you dip the toe in before, um, mm -hmm. but never necessarily full bore every single game like a lot of people. Um, and just kind of where we're at. So let's start with you, Adam. Give me just kind of a rundown where you're at with this game, your top level thoughts, and really where you kind of want to go from here with it. So my, my you know, coming into Elden Ring... My experience with the series has been, like you said, pretty limited. I dipped my toes into Dark Souls 1 and 2 and a little bit of Sekiro. Um, but other than like one or two hours in each of those games, I'm pretty much a newcomer to the series. I've also absorbed a fair bit of like secondhand Dark Souls, just, I don't know, knowledge maybe um, through osmosis and just seeing memes and talking to friends who really like the games. So mm -hmm. I know a little bit about like the design ethos of the game and God knows every time one of these games comes out, um, it's the subject of discourse for at least a week or two, which is no exception this time. Right. Plenty of that to be had. Around Good, bad and different. <laughs> yeah. My overall impressions of the game here at the 40 hour mark, 50 hour mark are I'm having a blast mm -hmm. um, as a newcomer to the series. I feel completely welcomed. I feel like I've had to set some different expectations, although I was already primed for that from what others have told me about these games, um, to really meet the game on its own terms and allow it to subvert my expectations of most games and still have like a really enjoyable time with it. Um, I think it does a lot of great things to make the player an active participant where you have to pay a bit more attention, but uh, a lot of things just feel much more rewarding because of that. Mm -hmm. And... Um, I know we're going to touch on the difficulty topic at some point, so I'll say up front that I feel like the mechanical challenge of the game has been really enjoyable for me so far. Mm -hmm. It feels very fine-tuned to that degree. Like, this is 
the culmination of what from software has learned for the past decade with these style of games. Yeah, you know, they've been doing more or less the same thing for mm-hmm. when did when did Demon Souls come out? And I think their design ethos goes even back further than that. I wanna like, say I wanna say two thousand nine. So it's been Ooh. over ten years they've been working and refining this formula. Demon's Soul came yeah, uh initial release in Japan was February fifth, two thousand nine. So well so we're coming up on like the thirteenth anniversary of this series if you want to call it that they're not all set in the same world but is there's a clear lineage between all of these games Mm -hmm. there's definitely yeah i mean from software really from and even from an art perspective you could tell from a design perspective that you're getting into this specific kind of game like even when we first saw like the teaser trailer for this game at e3 a couple years ago Mm -hmm. you could tell before they even got to talking about miyazaki talking about, you know, George R.R. Martin or whatever. But even before they show a From Software logo, you could tell from character design. You could tell from they have, you know, a person with who's using a spear with big, lanky arms. Uh, <laughs> you know, you could see from the type of movement that they have, the just bombastic characteristics that these char- that bosses and enemies have. Like, you could just tell already this is a From Software game from that alone. Um, yeah. But the, yeah, you're right. The DNA connected between all of them and I think that really does make it interesting for, you know, like us who, granted, not the biggest Souls people in the world by any stretch of the imagination, but have at least a prior experience to playing these style of games to some degree that it does feel almost in the sense of, like you're saying, very welcoming, but very familiar across the board mm-hmm. that anybody who's played a Souls game before, you could jump in and just you don't have to relearn like sure we'll add and tweak systems within it but overall the foundation is going to remain the same you're going to have a similar experience i do want to come back to that in a little while when we start talking more in detail about the game's mechanics Mm -hmm. about how the game treats returning players who've been on the souls games for a long time but we'll get there when we get there yeah mike i want to kick it to you now this is your first souls game so i don't want to say complete opposite end of the spectrum but going in fresh you know head first going in and i've always kind of said like and even recently last week i even think i said mm-hmm. you know it kind of surprises me that this is your first souls game knowing that the style of game that you like very similar to a ninja gaiden and a big fan of traditional rpgs that i feel like this is very much comparative to a lot of from software's game much more of a traditional rpg um you know that you never really jumped into them before so i'm really interested to get your kind of like I said, top level thoughts. Give me what you're thinking about now, you know, 30 hours in, you're definitely got, you know, knee deep into the water now. You're you're used to living in this world within Elden Ring and from mm-hmm. software now. Where are you at with this game? And what are your overall just thoughts being a new player in this? Yeah, um, I've always kind of had Dark Souls on my radar, but it's just not something that I ever really wanted to get involved in. Um I was probably consider myself a little bit of a snob when it comes to, uh, I guess, ARPGs, I guess is what you would put this in. Mm-hmm. Some people put it into its own uh, category called Soulsborne. Um, I mean, just in general, you know, if I hear that a game's like basically like Ninja Gaiden, but it's not Ninja Gaiden, not really that interested in it, to be honest, because I'm a little bit like snobby when it comes to Ninja Gaiden, just how much I really love that that franchise at least for the first two games in in black Uh and uh well ninja guide ninja guide in black and ninja guide in two but 
I love those games so much that I didn't really want to get into something that wasn't really going to scratch that itch. So partially that, partially just being a little ignorant to how good the games could be, mm-hmm. especially since it's, um, you know, so it's it seems so polarizing. People either really love Dark Souls games or they seem to hate it. People aren't generally on the fence of like, that's eh, okay. Um, Mm -hmm. and with it being that polarized, I didn't really see myself taking a chance. Now with Elden Ring, I will say that this is the first game in a long time besides the initial release of Infinite. So, I mean, I guess it hasn't been technically that long, but before that, it's been a super long time that I've been enthralled by a, a game of, of this, this type and just how much I just really find myself wanting almost fiending to play the game. Um, Uh And there's a lot that goes into it there. There's the difficulty factor that stems from not only are the enemies really difficult and cheesy at times, but like Adam said, the mechanical gameplay of it is very Ninja Gaiden esque because as a, you know, hobby, strictly hobbyist Ninja Gaiden, black speed runner, Uh um, there are certain mechanics that you abuse in that. There are certain um, weapons and, and things of that nature that you abuse uh, in order to beat the game as fast as humanly possible. But, you know, one of the reasons why I was so interested in speedrunning that game is because there's no real, like, game-breaking skips that you can do. You can't just, like, glitch yourself out of the map. It's mm-hmm. You still have to beat the en- the enemies. Is there ways to cheese them? Absolutely. But as you guys have seen from some of my... Like, just streaming in the Discord to you guys, I have had to cheese some enemies in, in Elden Ring. And if there's a person that's going to find a cheese, uh, <laughs> I, I've done very well for myself cheesing the shit out of some of the bosses and enemies in this game. But, um, yeah, I mean, I, I just have a similar sentiment to Adam in that the meshing of mechanical difficulty combined with just sheer life and attacks from the enemy difficulty mixes for what I feel is a very pleasurable experience. Is there, are there times where I'm really pissed off or, you know, hitting my head off the wall? Absolutely. But there's never a time that I feel like an enemy is just like impossible. Mm-hmm. So some people might disagree with me, but at the end of the day, I see their, the flaws or I see the, the, attacks that enemies do that you can exploit and i know that you know that's that's part of the game that you need to figure out their patterns um so as long as you kind of keep that in mind as you're going through i don't see an enemy yet that i've run into that's completely impossible are they very difficult yeah mm-hmm. are they super punishing absolutely but that's like all all souls games and kind of goes back to my whole uh communication that we had earlier about it that's like you knew going into this game what it was going to be. So I don't want to see or hear complaining that the game's too hard. Uh-huh. We all, everyone basically told you it's a 10 out of 10, but it comes with a caveat that like, this is what you're getting into. Uh-huh. Everyone told you you're getting into something that a lot of people probably spent $60 on the game and might not even get past Margit. Um, I know the next boss after Margit, I know only like 23% of people have completed it on Steam. Um, that's not accounting for Xbox or PlayStation players, but still, that's a small amount of the total player base. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And and that's what even looking at, like, I'm pulling up uh, the Metacritic right now for Elden Ring. Um, and it's really it's really interesting because you're seeing the and, and PC is a little different because right now 
the reviews on and i i guess i should uh state that as well we're all playing on pc um that was i think the most accessible version right now um in terms of at least for us to review on um i felt was probably the best way to go uh because of there still need to be day one patches with the console and yada yada it seemed like most people were reviewing this on pc so i felt the most comfortable going that direction but um a lot of the complaints obviously and we'll get into it from a um from a optimization standpoint obviously are lacking to say the least but very much so some of the reviews for pc obviously are from the user side are also pointing that out much more but you are seeing a lot of and you bring up an interesting point of you know kind of the hype cycle and people getting lost in that a little bit at times that you're seeing you know the metacritic right now uh, just pulling up the one on the front page it's the ps5 version at a 97 the user score though 7.7 and traditionally it's a little usually souls games are a lot higher than that and a lot of people i think were you know, definitely got lost in the sauce a little bit on this on in the sense of, yeah, I see the 10 out of 10 from IGN. I see the 10 out of 10 from GameSpot. I see kind of funnies five out of five. I see all these rave reviews, uh, you know, and a game informer praising it, saying that, hey, this is a generational game. And I think there is a lot of merit to that. Um, but it is interesting to see a lot of user reviews saying, shit, this wasn't what wasn't what I was expecting, you know, coming in and getting my ass beat and getting, you know, but kind of switching, I guess, to my view on it. And like I said, I'm about 30 hours into the game, right around where Mike's at. Um, I've gone through, I'm, I'm not going to give specific locations, obviously, because, uh, you know, we may get into a little bit of spoilers where we're at later, but doubtful, um, just because I think this game and really most from software games benefits so much from their boss design and the nature of just stumbling upon things, especially with this game of that's mostly where the spoilers are at, because it is very much a from software game in the souls universe. That is you're going to now grant. I think this is a little bit. I think it's a little more hand fisted in terms of the narrative that's given to you compared to dark souls, but it is still very much a, hey, you're learning about this world through things you find, through environmental storytelling, through item descriptions, um, very much more than necessarily, hey, I am I am X, y, and, X, y, and Z bad guy, and I'm doing this because of X, Y, and Z reason, and here are my motive, motivations, here's who I'm working with, and here's my path. Like, you're not getting a lot of that. You have to go and find that on your own. Um, so more so the spoilers of this game are more enemies you'll run into and bosses and vistas and things like that. So got to kind of keep that down to a minimum for to a degree, but top level for me, um, this game is one of the most awe inspiring games I've played in a long time. Um, and that's, I, I think I may have the highest praise, um, which I never thought I would say. I never thought I would just for context. I never thought I would right off the right off the rip, play a souls game day one right off you know at launch ready to go and to a degree that i thought this is something that i want to continuously play i want to usually when i'm playing dark souls it's yeah i get into a rhythm yeah i get into a rhythm and i get on a stretch of it for a week or so and then i drop it because i get stuck somewhere and i'm like i can't beat my head off a wall this you know i i need to walk away yada yada 
I think what this game does so well and why so many people obviously compare it to a Breath of the Wild and that Breath of the Wild sonication or, you know, personification of it's taking this style of game, the open world genre and kind of evolving it and taking what a lot of people are. Hey, this is the next step forward for these type of games uh, in this more soul in the souls and the souls born genre, I guess. But I think what this game does so well is it respects your time and everything you do and everything you do within it is purposeful. So and I say that in the fact of traditionally in a Souls game, it's that I say I get stuck on, um, you know, a boss, random boss, the uh, Capra Demon or something like that in Dark Souls 1. And I just can't fucking beat it. Okay, well, realistically, that's my main objective. That's kind of all I could do right now. So I'm just going to walk away. Like, there's no point in me. Like, I'm going to take a break, go play something else, yada, yada. I think what really benefits so many people like me and so many people approach these games like me is that now I can turn around and say, well, no, I can go do X, Y, and Z. Or, you know what? I'm just going to fuck off for a while. And, oh, cool. I see that point of interest on the map. It's not a point of interest because it's very much, very minimalistic when it comes to there's no outside of... You basically have a, uh, you know, the cardinal directions and that's it in, on your compass and that's all you go off of. But looking at the very, you know, rudimentary map that they give you for the most part. There are different areas in there that's like, hmm, I wonder what's over there. I'm just going to go fucking look and you stumble upon a dungeon. And sure, it may be a dungeon that you are not fucking ready for. Or it may be a dungeon that, man, I've been playing for a while and shit. I can blow right through this and there's a boss in here that gave me this and now I can go do this. And then you come back and it's like, shit, maybe I should go back and try that other boss again. And now you can because you've leveled up more or you've it's it has that feel of. Like I said, respecting your time so well in the fact of like, oh, I have 10 minutes, I, you know, in between or I have a half hour to eat my lunch or something at work. You know what? I'm working from home. I'm just going to pop in and play for a little bit or, hey, I have all day to just sit here and fucking do whatever. And I can accomplish tons of things. It, the scalability of that and what you're able to do is really impressive. But that's something I've really been loving about it. And it's if I had to start building a guide for new players who are having trouble adjusting to the game, mm -hmm. um, one of the things that I would include on that list is to basically do what you said. Like you need to be like water with this game. Sometimes if you run into a challenge that you can't beat right now, there's a ton of other stuff that you can go try to do instead. And oftentimes getting those other rewards first is going to make you so much stronger that when you come back and face that challenge again, you're going to be like, I was never meant to beat this guy without, <laughs> you know, XYZ item that you find on the other side of the map mm -hmm. or, you know, the, the map that you can explore at least at this point. And um, I, you know, I haven't played enough of the other Souls games to really know whether they had that aspect to it. I want to say no for my first impressions, but can't be sure. Um, but the fact that this is an open world game, meaning, you know, at any given time, there are so many different directions you can go to. Everyone's experience is going to be so much different. The order that you do stuff is going to be different. Mm -hmm. And like how soon you beat different challenges is like, I don't know. I just feel like there's tons of options. And if at any point you feel like you're beating your head against a wall, trying to beat this one boss, like, be like water, just flow somewhere else and try to come back when you're stronger. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I kind of thought that's what one of the nice things about having such a difficult boss, I guess technically boss, the tree, like mm -hmm. 
night guy at the beginning of the game was like kind of a teaching mechanism in my opinion and i think whenever people are playing this game if you don't take advantage of all the lessons that you can learn from basically every enemy in every area Mm -hmm. you're gonna have a lot harder of a time progressing through the game so like adam says you know flowing like water is a perfect way to put it uh it's like the perfect analogy and i would just say that you know on top of that just make sure whenever you're playing certain enemies certain things like you're taking the lessons that it's trying to teach you because if you walk out of the tutorial area quote unquote tutorial area because i know some people were skipping it Mm -hmm. because they didn't know you had to jump down to the left to get the combat tutorials like if you run out there and get one-shotted by an enemy and even if you do damage to him you see you barely do anything maybe it's time for you to just move along and go find something else and that's something that i've employed in, in my gameplay because you know i've I went with the astronomer build and I know we'll probably get into this a little bit later. And my experience with the game has been pretty wholly different than your guys. I I can say just from watching you guys play (laughs) the way you guys play the game versus the way I play the game is completely different. But the thing I'm noticing is most of the games I play nowadays, now that I'm almost 29, um, I don't get the same rush of replayability. But I find myself getting through the game a little bit with this first character. And now that I've learned a lot about Elder uh, Elden Ring, now that I've learned how to play the Dark Souls games um, by and large through these this experience, I feel like if I made a new character, not only would I progress much faster than I did uh-huh. before, because I wouldn't make the stupid mistakes I was making, but moreover, I feel like playing a melee-heavy character instead of a casting-heavy character would be a completely different different experience. Uh-huh. Or using two swords, like a samurai build with dexterity, would be completely different than what you two guys have been playing. Yeah, because so you, you, just... you did the astronomer off the rip, right? Yeah. And with, then uh, Adam and I yeah. both did uh, Vagabond, right, Adam? Mm-hmm. You did Vagabond. Yeah, so, yeah, so, uh, yeah, absolutely. You're going to have a much different experience than we did, you know? I think it's really interesting you bring up the point about the Tree Sentinel, because it really is, like... And, and I don't think this is very much a spoiler by any stretch of the imagination. That enemy is literally one of the first things you handle in the game. It's not it's not the first boss, even technically. Um, you get the first boss within the next, like first five minutes of the game, um, even though you probably won't beat it. You're meant to not beat it, though people have. Um, but uh, the uh, but I don't think this is a spoiler because he's been shown in so much uh b-roll and things like that uh leading into the game but it's really smart the way that they design that first and calling it the first step um really out into the world of elden ring uh and limgrave with the tree sentinel because very much so most players are like okay this is clearly there is a bad guy right there that means realistically i probably should go that way because that's where you know, X, Y, and Z developer and designer level designer are wanting me to go through the, yeah, the tradition of I've played video games forever. If there's bad guys, if there are more bad guys going one way, that's probably the way I want to go because they don't want me to go that way. That's where the most, you know, that's where the gameplay is going to be. So I should probably go that direction where in this, it is very much so of, Hey, you're used to just coming through and right off the rip, you're going to have a boss that teaches you, kind of how to approach many of the enemies in Soulsborne games. Like like in Dark Souls 1, you get into a boss battle 
right away. Like it is like five minutes after, um, just like this, where you kind of it grips you in. Okay, you're gonna get your ass kicked, but it's okay. It, you're gonna you're gonna die a ton, but you're gonna learn each time that you go through this. But what this does, what Elden Ring does really well with that first step is really teaching you that, hey, this world is expansive. We're not just you know a linear section now. This is dense and wide, and you're allowed to approach this. Yeah, you you could always approach things in a cheese way or whatever when it comes to fighting enemies, but this is much more, and we want you to approach the world in general in different ways. Very much so in the sense of, you're not supposed to fuck with the tree sentinel at all. Realistically, it could be used as a fucking tutorial for horseback combat. Realistically, you can, you shouldn't be able to fight that boss. Like, you're not supposed to go, at your level, go and fight that boss on foot. You're supposed to incorporate your horse and you don't get the horse for, you know, I think it's what, three uh, points of grace or something like that. You don't get it right as soon as you, almost the, you know, leaving, uh, walking out onto the cliff at Breath of the, in Breath of the Wild for the first time. Like that, before you have the leaving the Imperial sewers or leaving the, the vault moment and fallout, like that moment that you first get in Limgrave, you don't have that option right away. It is, you got to kind of simmer a while. You got to wait. You got to find your first point of grace. Then you got to go and kind of trek a little bit and explore the world and see what's going on and probably go in the wrong direction at first, but then kind of slowly figure it out. Um, but it's really, really interesting to see kind of the discourse around it. And Adam kind of brought it up earlier when we were kind of doing intros and whatnot. But I think more than ever, we're seeing the discourse in a really divided way and I don't want to say necessarily in a bad way because I'm I'm more in the camp of any more. Hey, play whatever you know difficulty you want to play on. Do you know if you want to play on literally story mode difficulty? That's totally fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Whatever you do to get your enjoyment out of the game. But I think when it comes to from software games, and I it, it, I wouldn't be upset by any means if that if they wanted to if Miyazaki decided one day, hey, I want to put this in there because I want to have more people play our games and have them more accessible to people. Cool. That's great. I don't have an issue with that. That doesn't distract me in any way. You know, I, I don't really care. But what I think is really interesting about these games is that they really, if, if you would change the difficulty, quote unquote, you'd be changing ele every element of the game because this game is very much designed and the creative vision of this game is in such a specific way that you can't just necessarily put a slider on it. Um, and I think that's really interesting to kind of talk of, and you see so many people say, oh, I wish this game was more accessible. I wish it was easier. I wish it was, um, you know, I would be able to go and play it because I'm just not into those games. Or, you know, I like the concept of this game and I think the aesthetic is really cool, but difficulty really scares me away. But I think when Miyazaki said, this is probably going to be the most finished from software souls-esque game that they've done to date. I can see it from not in the sense of this is easy, but this game just feeds so much into each player's specific style that you will find a way to approach this game that you can make it, I don't want to say easier, but more approachable than ever. Um, like Mike, for example. So Mike's playing right now with his astronomer, or at least the starting class, using a, a magic-heavy build. Off the rip, that is going to be that is very difficult, especially for somebody who coming in who has never played the Souls game before. Like that is trial by fire. You're starting like with a handicap right off the rip. Yeah. So 
you may think you're Chad, but you're no alpha Chad, that's no. for sure. You're not that guy. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> Literally. Um, but it's it's really interesting that you could have those kind of experiences, but now once you figure out one, how the game wants you to approach it, but then also too, how you want to approach the game, you're starting to find a rhythm with not only the combat and not only the magic that you're using, but how you want to approach each each uh, combat encounter that you have or the world in general that, you know, I approach it differently or Adam approaches it differently. We're, you know, even in the play styles that Adam and I have, we have a similar build, but we're approaching things in a much different fashion just from, you know, us seeing. And also too, and feel free to chime in on this, guys. I think this is the one of the most, for a game that is, has multiplayer, but doesn't necessarily tr have it in, the truest form that you would expect. This is one of the most communal games I've seen in a long time. Um, oh, absolutely. Just being able to pop in our discord and all of us share our screen and just be like, Hey, this is what I'm working on. Oh shit. Let me, I haven't seen that yet. Where are you at? Oh, let me see your map. Blah, blah, blah. Or, Hey, have you tried doing this? Like, Oh shit. Let me look at that. Um, and feel like I said, feel free to chime in on this, but I really think this is more so compared to any souls game before much more of, just being able to sit down and have those like this is the sitting in the basement around the TV with your friends moment uh, that you heard a lot of people have with, you know, even in a modern sense, Fortnite or Madden when, uh, you know, say on like the PS2 or something like that or the Xbox um, much more back in the day where you would just get a bunch of buddies over past the controller around. This feels so much more akin to that now, almost as a platform. I agree for sure. It's like, it takes you back to the old days of, I would liken it to like old RPGs or even, I don't know, games like Zelda where just mm -hmm. there was so much more wonder and discovery involved. Now that you have like guides on the internet that'll tell you pretty much how to get through any game. And don't get me wrong, the guides are still very much a part of the Elden Ring experience, but unless you need some bit of information to like, get past some point where you're just absolutely stumped. Mm -hmm. So much of the conversation around this game is just communal information sharing and swapping stories and being like, well, have you tried this or did you find this yet? And it's like, it makes playing the game right now in this moment feel so much more important than it has for many games recently, if that makes sense. Like it, it is the, one of the most water cooler moment games out there. That I've yes. ever played and like I have I felt this way and I so many people are comparing it and I think rightfully so not in the sense of you know oh it's necessarily transformed open worlds or this or that um to Breath of the Wild but I haven't really had a game that gave me those style of moments where the hey did you get to do this no what are you talking about oh shit no if you go here and do this this person will be there. Well, shit, in my game, that person wasn't there. Really? Yeah, they're off doing this right now. Oh, well, that's maybe because you did X, Y, and Z. Yeah, because I you went here, I went here instead and interacted with that person there, so now they're not... Like, the intertwinedness and just the depth of this game and the way that it's interconnected with everything and so livable breathing that, like you said, it's just, it's so hard to not experience this between so many people and just want to share stories. Like there's just, it, it, it's just fascinating to me that, that this game is having this much of 
an impact on people that aren't you know typically getting into souls games like i think this transcends beyond a, a souls game it's very much a souls game but from that sense of yeah you're playing it's traditional souls combat it is you know you're going to have hard ass bosses you're going to have some you know make, you're going to have some elements within the game that you're feeling oh man i got cheated on that but then you learn to adapt to that and you learn to say oh fuck well no i i probably should have done this instead and you apply that and you it's trial by error um but i think it extends so much beyond that in the sense of this game is pushing people out of their comfort zones in the best way possible yeah absolutely and like nobody hates the good the get good memes yeah. and the gatekeeping more than me surrounding like the conversation with these games i think it's very tired and played out but like the general experience that I've had with the community is way more positive than any of that. Mm -hmm. And the game itself and the series as a whole has really been setting this up over time about like community cooperation and shared enjoyment is like baked into the game itself. Mm -hmm. You have the mechanics of writing messages to other players, which, you know, may be true or false. <laughs> you may have misleading information or you may have really helpful hints written on the ground if you choose to use the multiplayer features but first rump <laughs> the best yeah, is when like, they're stacked where it's like one's telling you there's a great item ahead and the next one's like liar and it's like well absolutely there's like perfect balance <laughs> wait a minute <laughs> for every you know for every message that gets upvoted to maybe 50 appraisals by some trolls who will say oh there's a secret passage here and of course you're gonna swing your sword against it and it's not gonna do anything <laughs> there's gonna be the balancing factor on the other side where people are writing down liar ahead right beneath that. And, mm -hmm. you know, me personally, every time I find a secret uh, passage behind a wall that you have to hit with, with, hit with your sword, I always write liar ahead behind that. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's just like, it's such, it feels like such a watershed moment for this game where uh, a lot of people are talking about it, sharing their experiences. We're pulling in, it feels like an audience that's been, bigger than a souls game has ever had mm -hmm. and for the most part i i feel like people are having positive experiences and sharing that with other people telling your stories about what you've been doing and sharing information has just been a real joy in this game mm -hmm. i will say that like i think the most unique thing about elden ring that i've noticed not only obviously are the classes different um so you me and travis all have a different experience with the game we can all skip certain bosses. We can all skip different dungeons. We can all miss stuff and all experience the game a little differently. But most importantly, you know, while we're on the topic of multiplayer, you know, as you said, you are someone who has really taken a liking to how tastefully integrated the multiplayer has been. So if you go to a boss section and you like the other la last night when you and I were in a discord after Travis got off, you're like, I think I'm just going to go to Godric and just drop a, uh, Oh, sorry. I think I'm just going to go to a boss. That's fine. And just yeah. drop, drop a mark and just help people beat them because yeah. I just want to get the runes from it and whatever. And that's what I want to do. And you have been someone who has spent a lot more time cooperating with other players where I myself have only really used you. I've never used other players. And I think it's really interesting how, you can it, it the multiplayer was tastefully integrated so you could kind of choose your own experience if you want to get help from outside sources all the tools are there for you to do it but if you want to get through it by yourself they also give you the option to hire people that you talk to and you know it's it's just been really interesting and one of the things that 
you did last night was you were playing a boss and you hired or, you know, elicited help from a, a, a person that because I triggered something at the round table too soon and didn't talk to a certain person, that person I don't think is ever available for me to elicit for help. Like, I can't go to that. I like that person's not available. I went and talked to them. Now I can't basically get their help. So, like, it's just so interesting how all these intricacies and little wrinkles have been brought into a game that my experience is going to be a complete 180 from Adam's, but we both have the overwhelming feeling of joy and we've enjoyed every second of it, you know, the both of us, even though it's yeah. so different. And I think that's really cool. I got to give major like ups to all the people who carried me through some of the early boss fights because for, I mean, there was my other friend, Dan, who's like a longtime fan of souls games and he would hop on and play co-op with me and help me out with some of those early boss fights where mm -hmm. I was still pretty weak. I hadn't gotten a lot of the like items in the early area that really help you start building your, your character's power. Um, and then there were also just like a bunch of randos where I summoned uh, like people over the multiplayer and they would help me beat bosses that got me over that initial difficulty hump. And then I started feeling like I could solo bosses and even help people fight their bosses like mm. go and be summoned as a cooperator and so, sort of like paying it forward in that sort of way so that's just been that's been a this game movie. this game is so great i think too at teaching you to instill confidence in your ability like it will beat you fucking down like it mm -hmm. will there are times just like other souls games but i think much more that like there are many veteran souls players who say this is the hardest souls game yet that they've had, or at least one of yeah. the hardest souls games. And maybe it's because I'm finding success with my build. I'm finding success with the movement, uh, uh, the movement and combat mechanics compared to previous souls games. Like, I think this is, I think the fluidity is more, is a good mesh between kind of opposite ends of the spectrum in souls as in Dark Souls 1, which feels like a very heavy game compared to Sekiro, which is very quick and very nimble, almost like a ninja guide in a way, um, where I think this game does so well at instilling the confidence of you as a player by beating you down, by teaching you, hey, you are like, it is okay to die. It is okay to fail. It is okay. This is going to happen. And I think Jason Schreier put out... Um, and kind of plays into the overarching world as well. Some of the uh, some tips and tricks that he had, I guess, when approaching uh, Elden Ring, whether you're a new player or not. But it's to not feel a hesitation of shit. I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm going. To yeah, you're gonna fucking die. You're gonna get. You're gonna get smacked, especially early on. You're learning the game, and the game demands that you say to yourself, "Okay, even if I die, that's fucking fine." Oh, well, I'm going to beat this eventually. And slowly can you learn by dying? Right, exactly. And slowly that builds up and it builds up and it builds up and it builds up until you get to a point where I think I'm close to level. I, I think I'm like level 48 or 49 or something like that. Mike, you're what, 51, something like that? Yeah. What are you I'm at? Adam? 60. Yeah. So you, you get to the higher levels of this game or at least the back nine of the levels of this game. You're feeling confident going into every boss battle of yeah, I mean, you know what? I'm going to just test the waters in this. I'm going to dip my toe in. If I get shit on, cool. I don't really have a lot of souls on me or runes on me, I should say, not souls. But I don't have a lot of currency on me right now that 
if I die, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, well, you know, mm-hmm. but I'll at least understand how this boss works. And then moving forward, I'm going to take that knowledge and boom, just kick his ass real quick. Like, yeah, you feel you have that. I think this game is so good at instilling and building a great foundational confidence in you to play this game, to approach this game each time you go in. Yeah, I, I will say that, you know, being a complete like noob to souls Soulsborne games i will say that like now that i understand the game like it just i had a i had a light bulb moment with mm-hmm. pretty much a lot of different things in the game uh probably about eight or nine hours of gameplay ago probably like last night actually i had like a uh, the light bulb went on and all of a sudden i figured out like i had been going through these caves and finding all these all these items, all these smithing tools and stuff. And I'm like thinking to myself, I'm like, when am I ever going to need these? And then I find a different weapon and start upgrading it. And I'm like, holy shit. And then I went through from doing like a hundred damage, a sword swing and probably 120 damage per spell cast to now my swords doing, you know, somewhere in the neighborhood of like 300 damage or so on certain enemies. And obviously everything's kind of scaling and, and a little different, but by and large, like, you know, I hit a, a serious power spike recently, and I feel like Adam kind of felt the same. I don't know if you're feeling the same way, Travis, but the the best thing about the power spikes that you feel when you're just cutting through the common enemies are there's always the bosses to kind of humble you, or mm-hmm. like the mini bosses of an area to kind of humble you. And that's kind of akin to, you know, Zelda having bosses and mini bosses where <clears throat> all of a sudden, you know, you're starting to feel confident, and then there's something to kind of humble you. And I do kind of enjoy that, but I will say that after hitting this power spike, I'm getting a whole different enjoyment out of the game than I, than I was before. And not only is it a power spike in my weapons and everything, but just my own, my own skill on the game. I feel a lot more confident and a lot more confident. And, you know, it's nice playing enemies and seeing how difficult they are and seeing their patterns because you realize not only do they have these specific attacking patterns, but that's also their weakness because in that pattern or in those patterns, you're going to find that they like certain bosses like tire out and then they're a little weaker then, or there's moments of vulnerability for them that you can hit them. And that's when you need to capitalize. So like Adam said, again, going back to the kind of being like water and just working your way through the rocks that can apply to even boss battles in this game where all of a sudden you think this attacks really cheesy. Then you learn what, what the timing is on the roll to dodge or the, the parry or whatever now all of a sudden that's there that's the boss's weakness and it's like holy shit and it's like a light bulb goes off and you're like wow this boss was not easy because not a lot of the bosses are easy mm-hmm. but it, it's definitely a lot different wanna i'm glad you brought that up about humbling uh boss fights that will humble you even when you feel like you've gotten really strong i want to close the loop or close the ring as it were <laughs> on something i mentioned earlier about how returning players are feeling about this game and I think, Travis, you mentioned that, like, a lot of them are saying, obviously this isn't everyone's experience, but mm-hmm. a lot of returning Soulsborne veterans are saying this is one of the hardest in the series. And one reason for that I have learned from talking to some of these people who've been playing these games a lot is that um, just on a very fine mesh level, some of the enemies' attack patterns and timings are just, like, a little bit off from what you would expect. Like, they take 1.1 times as much time as they do in other games to swing their weapon at you. And so because they have like that muscle memory of when to dodge and when to block that they've built up, and this game is just completely subverting that, a lot of them are feeling like punished and like they have to relearn 
uh, a lot of those like fine detail like timings in certain combat encounters. Mm -hmm. And I felt some of that too, just like playing through this single game. Like I felt like I was getting stronger and then, um, you know, some challenge comes along that I just wasn't ready for. And I'm like, okay, I thought I was hot <laughs> shit. And now I've died 10 times to the same thing. It's time to go back into learning and growing mode rather than stomping shit like I mm -hmm. have been for the past 10 minutes. And, you know, that stomping shit uh, phase never lasts long. I feel like this game is always pushing you out of your comfort zone and trying to get you to think on your feet and grow. Mm -hmm. But it's a super nice release, right? Like, I, I do kind of enjoy the pacing of where you'll be running your head into a concrete wall over and over and over again. And when you finally break down that barrier, then you're in stomping shit mode for a little bit. And it kind of yeah. gives you that release. Mm -hmm. you know? And you definitely need that little period of feeling powerful. Yes. Because that's the feeling you're going to be chasing next time when the game starts throwing even harder shit at it's, you. It's and great. At, it's booting it up. Yeah. It, it's great at teaching you to chase the dragon too. Like, mm -hmm. <laughs> like the serotonin boost you get from, finally capping off that boss who has been shitting on you for an hour like chef's kiss i mean it really really i think compared to and like i said i dabbled in i played i think it's like 50 hours of dark souls uh remastered never beat it but still had a great time still ha i shouldn't say i've yet to beat it still having a great time with it but and while everything feels very rewarding in that it doesn't feel like it's not getting that extra oomph that this game really, I feel, brings when it says, yeah, not only are you did you beat this boss, but now you are going to like you said, you're going to feel overpowered for just a little bit. You're going to feel like, hey, big dicks back in town, baby. You know, like you're going to have that feeling of you run the shit for, you know, the next half hour until you run into a mini boss or something like that that really kind of says no 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 you're good there's a dirty surprise pretty close to limgrave and i think both of you know what i'm talking about it has to do with a treasure chest yes there's a boss at the end of that sequence of events that i still still even though i've basically progressed out of that area for the most part mm -hmm. have not beaten and i am still waiting on my moment to go back and kick his ass <laughs> because he's been taunting me since the beginning of my playthrough mm -hmm. and it's gonna feel really good when i finally do that right and then what i, I forget what esport it was I, I think it was valorant actually where they're not allowed to use the the, the actual term so they call it up downs so you'll give it some good up downs after you beat it, just like, it's, like as is tradition. Some TBs. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's great. Um, so yeah, just kind of, I guess, kind of as we start to round out the show a little bit more, I kind of want to talk about the exploration end of this. And I think it's really unique that we get a game like this that, and I kind of talked about it a little bit, but everyone has their almost their own experience with this game and not necessarily from a combat or uh, perspective or anything like that. But I think the open-endedness of souls games, at least from within their linearity of like, yeah, you're still going to go to this area, but realistically you can kind of approach it in a couple different ways. Yada, yada was kind of blown open and it just was completely blown apart with this game in the sense of, I think it really is the next evolution of at least within this genre, but I think overall, because I could see more games adapting this personalization of how enemies are approached with their difficulty and where there's not as like sliders, I don't think are going to be as ample, but more so in the sense of, yeah, there's going to be ways to challenge you, 
But there's also, yeah, you'll have a story mode or something like that if you really don't want a challenge to this. But I think we're going to get more out of the box. This is the difficulty that was developed with this game. And there will be an easier mode, almost like uh, Sifu that came out on the PS5 recently um, that implemented more of a an interesting take on roguelites and how they're approached and the difficulty with them. Um, there was one mode, but there's now also a hard mode, an even harder mode, and an easy mode. So you can approach the game in however you want, which I think we're still going to see that, but I think we're going to see more of a implementation of hey, this is how this game was designed, or this is the creative vision of this game, and it may involve there being challenging moments to it, um, while also, too, being as accessible as possible, hopefully. Um, but I think we're going to see this really kind of be the next evolution of exploration. Um, and like I was saying, these water cooler moments that you're going to have, what I guess is one experience, without obviously giving too much away as we kind of cap off the show here, What's an experience that you guys had that, let's say, within, like, that really made you think, like, okay, this is different from what other open world games I played? Or, you know, sure, you have the, like I said, the first step out of the vault or the Imperial sewers in Oblivion or, you know, out of the cave in Skyrim kind of moment that Bethesda's always really good at, but more so in the sense of, that evolution of, yeah, you see that mountain over there? You can go to it. If that makes any sense. <laughs> I guess I'll go first here. Um, are we trying to avoid spoilers here? How much yeah, to, a, to, to a degree. To a degree. Okay. More, more so, I guess, relaying the... You don't have to necessarily give too many specifics, but... the emo- Yeah, yeah, yeah. How it really impacted you. Comparative to that made you think, like, shit, this is different than what I've been playing before. There are lots of moments in Dark Souls series games, and I think Mike already kind of touched on this for our experience with Elden Ring, where your NPC interactions can feel, like, very dynamic. Like, Mm -hmm. Mike and I did different things in a slightly different order, and because of that, our encounters with a certain NPC were very different. Like, I think he basically missed out on talking to this one NPC, whereas... I talked to her several times and just because of the order that we did things in, he like missed a small detail, whereas I got to see it. And that, that event, that pattern in Soulsborne games gives you a feeling of the possibility space of what these games are likely to do. And so I was thinking about that when I had a moment on the southern continent, just below Limgrave. I think it's called the Weeping Peninsula. Mm -hmm. There's a short little storyline there where you talk to two different characters who are sort of related. You go through a dungeon, and when you're done, something happens at the end. And after that, when the story felt like it was basically wrapped up, that little mini story, I was like, if I had done something slightly differently this outcome may have been very different. <laughs> and you know, I know, I know exactly away. what you're talking about. And I'm, I really don't know to this day, and I'm probably not going to look it up ever. I mm. might try something different next time I play, but I don't want to spoil it for myself. I want to try it and see if the game responds to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if it doesn't, you know, I won't be disappointed, but since you know what I'm talking about, like it's just a great feeling when a game responds to or feels at least like it could respond to your actions in that sort of way. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. Mike. And it's a tragic moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mike, what about you? 
Yeah, I'd say I think one of the things that is kind of, you know, just to kind of piggyback off of what Adam said a little bit, without giving too much away, the replayability on the game is just at such an interesting point. And, you know, this is me after 30 hours of gameplay saying that I see a replay in my future. I don't know how soon that replay will be, per se, but like Adam said, there are things that I missed. I know I missed in this first playthrough, even though I felt like I was being a little over. I, I go through these periods of like over thoroughness. And then I mm-hmm. just like, once I hit the power spike where I just start blowing through people, I do that. Like I just, that's always been the way I've played video games. Mm-hmm. I grind, 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 get, get to easy street, blow through and then hit the wall and grind, grind, grind again. But there are things that I know that if I did them differently or I know that I missed that I could go back and take care of. Therefore, I would get a completely not completely different experience of the game, but a vastly different experience. Add in the replayability because you can play through with a character that has all one skills like through <laughs> to start. Um, add that in, add the possibility of speed running down the road, you know, all those kinds of things being on the table. There's just so much and so many possibilities with this game, but it's so enthralling to me because the core gameplay is still centered around extreme difficulty. Mm-hmm. So it feels like it's scratching a lot of different itches for me, um, but it's scratching different itches for Adam or for you, mm-hmm. but we're all still really high on it. And it's mm-hmm. just so interesting to me that everyone that is all on different skill levels of gaming mm-hmm. um, are still enjoying it to a certain extent. Now, are some of the people going to become frustrated and maybe give it up that aren't very good at video games or especially at these types of games? I see that happening to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But if you endure and buckle down and make yourself get through it, I think there's you know juice to be... like The juice is worth a squeeze at the end of the day. But that's me saying it. There are other people who, you know, just might plain out not enjoy the game and they might not get through it. And I can understand that. But for me, I don't see myself putting it down anytime soon. And I see myself playing through with a different character and seeing how differently things can go if you do things in different orders going forward. Because I already know from Adam's playthrough that I miss things. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And it sucks for me because... The game's inherently a lot more difficult because I wasn't a little more thorough back. You know, I got my eye was a little bit too much on the prize and I didn't get, you know, I didn't stop and smell the roses per se. Mm -hmm. And Adam's always been that type of person who stops and smells the roses with games pretty much all the time. And he gets a little bit of a different experience than I do. Um, And sometimes it's easier for him. And, you know, I'd like to see what the game would be like from that point of view, too. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. When the boss can see me in front of his main room, just like wandering through the hallways, checking behind like <laughs> every pot and plant, <laughs> looking into his bathroom to make sure there's nothing in there before I go to fight him. Just That's dodge, just games. dodge rolling into yeah. every destructible item that is there to yeah. see, just in case, just in case and there's the something. The boss is sitting there like tapping on his watch, on his like watch, like <laughs> yeah, TikTok motherfucker. On. Come on now. <laughs> like, let's go. Time to pay the piper. Like, yeah. <laughs> dinner's, dinner's on the oven right now. Like, come on now. Stop writing but whole messages yeah. on my floor. <laughs> God, those messages are so goddamn good. <laughs> they get me every time too. Like like ah. Uh. Um but 
yeah, I'll, like in my end, it kind of uh, that I want to kind of when we were talking about it, something else that I thought was really interesting to piggyback off of really kind of wrapping up expo- exploration with it. And I kind of kept this in mind to kind of chiming back in on what Jason Schreier said. He posted too. one of the things he said was. Make a this game doesn't have a quest log, obviously, there are like most Souls games, there are technically quote unquote side quests in this game, um, but they're much looser in that my like they're much looser than you would traditionally find in a, you know, a Witcher or an Assassin's Creed or even now modern Bethesda games um, where you're going to have tons of map markers around. uh, There's going to be a waypoint that's directing you. There's nothing necessarily like that with this game. And it reminds me a lot in time in a lot of instances of Morrowind and how that game approached traversal and really just a, you know, and granted it had it still had a quest liner in it to keep you, you know, your tabs for you, but there wasn't necessarily a, Hey, go here, right here. This, this exact place is this person. Like you need to, you know, look at the map, kind of decide how you want to take things, uh, pay attention to the, the, um, topography of the map and how you're going to really kind of traverse it. Um, and look at, uh, you know, road signs along the way, use your compass and, one thing that Jason brought up was because of it not having keep a not a journal, but, you know, notes as you go around what's going on with this. And so many people found that to be and he was like, I didn't really think it was that, you know, decisive of a or divisive of a thing to say. And granted, he was like, I don't I still stand by them. Not I think it's a good idea. It plays well into the the discoverability and the exploration of this game that there shouldn't be a quest, you know, a quest log or something like that, that it really helps you become more ingrained into this world and drives you to and forces you to actually lean into the strengths of this game, which is the exploration that it gives you that, Hey, just start off by talking to this person. We're going to give you a reason to invest in that quest, but we don't want to necessarily just write it all out for you. And go ahead. Were you going to say something now? Yeah, just basically, I <clears throat> full-throatedly agree with that. Like, it may not be for everybody, but mm-hmm. I love the type of game where it's worth it for me to pull out a notebook and start writing things down that interest me. I love when a game allows me to, like, pay attention and make that worthwhile. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, I'm going to beat the Morrowind drum today as well. <laughs> like, that game had quest logs but they weren't um they weren't map markers right Mm -hmm. it didn't tell you exactly what you needed to do or where you needed to go but it did tell you like who you were talking to and what they said and roughly where you needed to go like they would give you directions like yeah "Yeah, you got to go down the road and make a right and if you've seen this you've gone too far and like this plays into what I mentioned earlier about making the player an active participant. Mm-hmm. Um, when you just have vague instructions that you have to either write down yourself or remember, or maybe you just stumble into that NPC that you had to talk to down the, down the line. And you're like, Oh yeah, fuck. Like the quests are there. You just have to pay attention to be able to get something out of it. And on the other side of things, I want to say, I feel like the game will not punish you if you don't want to engage with that one. Mm-hmm. Like you could just, the, the story is very thin on the ground. Um, so if you're not paying that much attention and you just want to be swing your sword fighty boy and kill everyone in the world, like 
The game is not going to stop you from doing that. It's not going to wag its finger at you and say, no, 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 you must take notes. <laughs> like Jason Trier said, or you know, play. Like, I don't know. I've just been really enjoying that aspect of it. Right. And it's, it, I think it literally, it's literally put in there for the intent, at least that I see it as, this game wants you to have your, you're going to eventually get to, you know, a similar end to the story or whatever, you know, that's there, but it wants you to have your own take on this adventure that it wants you to, you may go X, Y, and Z different ways to get there. And along that, along that way, you may run into things that sidetrack you because it's interesting or it just all plays back into the just addictive loop of this, that this game has so subtly that once you get it and once it clicks it's so hard to turn off it's just it really i i'm just shocked at how not i don't want to say i wasn't expecting this game to not you know push that the subgenre of souls forward i kind of expected that but in the sense of this is really one of the first times that like you know this is one of those games that i really truly think is going to push how exploration and adventure-esque games Hit, like are approached on a triple uh on a triple uh level that is um but man what are i guess really kind of to wrap it up you know where's this game stand right you know you don't have to necessarily we don't need a score or anything like that we traditionally don't do scores we usually give it a you know high recommendation or not um i guess kind of final thoughts where you wrap up with this game where it stands right now and i want to i want to get a prediction too from everyone i'll start with adam do you think this is going to be the game of the year at Game Awards 2022 this year? So, Adam, what are your final thoughts on this game? Uh, you know, kind of wrapping it, putting a bow on it. And do you think Elden Ring is going to be the game of the year this year? I'm having such a great time with Elden Ring. Every time the map gets bigger, I'm smiling wider and wider because, to be honest, I'm going to be really sad when I finally mm -hmm. reach the end of this game. That's how much I'm enjoying it, and uh, I think that really just says it all. Mm -hmm. I think there's a really high chance that it's going to be... It's almost guaranteed to be a, nominee. a candidate, yeah. right? A nominee for Game of the Year. And I think just given... Like I've said, this has been such a watershed moment for games. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are talking about it right now. I am going to put my prediction out there and say, yes, I think it's going to win Game of the Year at the game awards and it may very well be my game of the year as well Woo! <laughs> it's early in the year i know it's yeah. a little early to be given predictions but i'm gonna put that out there yeah and so i could be wrong but we'll see yeah i, I was gonna say because like i was even thinking i was like do i want to ask like oh is this gonna be your game of the year because even me thinking i'm like listen there's a lot of shit left to play uh and i don't like we always say it, this may be an Xbox show, but we fucking play on everything. Like I'm fucking yeah. jazzed to get back to playing Horizon Zero Dawn. I'm jazzed to play God of War Ragnarok. Mm -hmm. I am at just full bore anticipation for Starfield this year. Um, oh yeah, you know, so like there's a lot to play, but I didn't expect. Yeah, I'm right with you that like this is in the hunt. <laughs> this is very much in the hunt. Um, the year is young, but this is a strong contender. Like 2022 fucking came out swinging like first pitch fastball in there just fucking yammed it um mike what about you i want to hear where you're at uh you know kind of putting a bow on it with elden ring uh you think it's going to be game of the year for 2022 at the game awards this year and i want to know 
are you going to be playing more souls games too because of it um i'll answer this the last part first okay. i don't know that i see myself playing more souls games interesting um, it's not that like it's not that i don't think that they're good it's that I've already had Elden Ring, so it's like, mm, true. how good can it really get? And this game's kind of, I do like linear progression stories because I love Ninja Gaiden and it's not an open world. And I guess this is as close as I'm going to get to Ninja Gaiden in an open world setting. So that's one of the reasons why I love this game so much. Um, as far as like game of the year conversations, and I'm not trying to be a dick because I know both of you are a lot higher on the games industry than I am. Mm -hmm. I'm kind of... I'm kind of a jaded person because look at my fucking favorite game franchise and how far it's fallen. <laughs> Old uh, man just, yells at cloud. <laughs> it's just a pig shit game and it just keeps getting brought back. Just let Halo die. Let me play MCC for the rest of my life and stop trying to bring games out. You're fucking terrible at making them. But with all that being like out of my system, <laughs> unfortunately, <laughs> unfortunately, from a pessimist point of view, the reason why I think this is game of the year is not only is it because it's the best game that's going to come out this year. What the fuck is going to compete with it? I know yeah. Horizon Zero Dawn has has a new installment and that it's decent, mm -hmm. but it, I'm kind of a pessimist in the way that like what what else is there? Yeah. Like nothing can compete with this game unless fucking I mean, I guess Starfield's coming out, but like realistically speaking, Bethesda's kind of fallen off like fell off the wagon like at this point this game is so far a favorite front runner that starfall would have to blow everyone's tits off for it to catch it in my opinion and, and, and that's kind and of shitty be real. but like it is what it is and, and let's be real i'm fucking jazzed and i'm super excited for starfield because i'm a bethesda stan and i'm excited for their first new ip in well over 20 years like i'm, I'm just yeah. fully excited to get in and play that game but I'll be damned if I'm not saying I'm just hyped it comes out and we're all right. Elder Scrolls six. Let's go. Come on now. Yeah. Like, we just need to get this <laughs> got, game the yep. fuck out of the way. Yeah, I'm excited to play. It. I'm going to play it for hundreds of hours. Game. There's no doubt in my mind. I'm probably going to love it and play it for hundreds of hours. But you know what? It, once it's out. Cool. All right. Cool. Elder Scrolls six. Let's start. Work. Let's let's now that is the main focus. You've said in 2018, yeah. the next uh, coming up this fall, Fallout 76. After that, Starfield. After that, then Elder Scrolls. Okay, <laughs> one box is checked, and <laughs> God, was that a struggle. <laughs> Hopefully this one that's coming out from Bethesda Game Studios, the next one is going to be a astounding good thumbs up check mark. but there we go. We're on the Elder Scrolls. Let's, let's not get it twisted. Like, that's yeah. what we're all waiting for. <laughs> the one and you've been waiting be for. That, <laughs> I hate to be that guy. I'm always that guy on the show that you two can talk glowingly about something, and I would find the negative in it. And it's not that, like, I think the game's a negative. It's yeah, just, it ran a streetlight in 1986, that fucker. <laughs> yeah, it's just kind of sad that, like, this game by default, like, it's March, and I feel like there's just no chance for any other game. Just wrap it up. It's kind of it's kind of shitty, but, like, at the same time, I want to make it clear that, like, is it because the games industry kind of has kind of fallen off and, like, not fallen off because they've releasing great games every year, mm -hmm. but, like, the years of like blockbuster v blockbuster are just like not not there because what like halo infinite's probably gonna like for some reason it's gonna sneak its way in there i don't know if they're gonna pay them off to like at least get nominated um i don't know that the game awards i wouldn't say that it's like compromised like that like some other things are but like you know 
what's going to stand up to this game? Halo Infinite? Like, no. There's no shot, right? Like, obviously, Battlefield 2042 is a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> there's so many piece of shit games out there. It's just nice to have a game that, like, honestly... At every, a AAA like, level. Like, I, I get what you're I, saying. I myself this saw is a this very game unique tens game. out of 10s. Yeah. yeah, I saw it getting 10s out of 10s, and I'm like, there's just no fucking way. That is a perfect experience. And then I get it, and after 30 hours, I'm like, holy fuck yeah holy fuck like for once a game has been so hyped almost certainly overhyped most people would think coming into it you would have to think like this game's overhyped mm -hmm. and then you get it and you're like holy fuck it was underhyped yeah. how can you underhype this game yeah and and that's how i feel about it i feel like it was underhyped yeah and and but i had to get digs on 343 and bethesda before we well yeah on. exactly you got to poke the bear a little bit <laughs> but i uh, no and, and i'm i'm this is it's going to be very hard to compete with this game period i mean uh, just get into my like this game's just absolutely astounding it is absolutely incredible um this blew my expectations out of the water um this is a game that hooked me right from the moment that i jumped in and really saw what direction this was going um and i think i think miyazaki was very 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 right in saying this is probably going to be the most finished soul or uh, game that they've put that from software has developed uh and i think is the most accessible not necessarily from a you know difficulty standpoint or true accessibility options because i think every single developer every single publisher who is working with these developers to put these games out can be better in the light of accessibility and not only from a difficulty standpoint, but actual accessibility needs within gaming. Um, I'm always going to beat that drum. So uh, and this game is no different on that. But from what this game is, this game is a true, true, I think, step forward for not only Souls games, obviously, but really how AAA open worlds are going to be viewed at. And this is the I, I personally think um because we're coming up on year five of Breath of the Wild being out. Um, I, and I'm not, I, I, from a very broad standpoint, I think it's, I think it's totally fair to compare these games. Um, f I mean, hell, I mean, Dark Souls and Soulsborne games are in their DNA alone are very much thanks to Nintendo and Zelda specifically, as Miyazaki has said multiple times. So, you know, it, it's hard to not compare these two to a degree, but in the sense of, I think they are still two very different games. Um, and I think at the same degree, a large scale detailed open world, when you think, you know, AAA video game open worlds, I think this is really going to push that forward. This is the next step into immersiveness and from an exploration standpoint of we're getting to a point now with environmental storytelling that saying more with less is becoming so much easier that it's going to get to a point where it's going to feel so natural exploring things that you just won't even notice. Hey, there's not as much like story or dialogue or something like that. That's being force fed to me. It's I'm just learning about this and I'm naturally picking up on this because of how detailed and how dense this world is that I'm living in. So I am hands down. I'm blown away by this game. I didn't think that this is definitely going to be 
already in my contenders for game of the year um already <laughs> um it's just like fucking it takes two already or came in last year right around this time and fucking blew my socks off and i was like shit i already have a game of the year contender in march <laughs> um and you know i just can't believe that this game i am connecting so much with this game and what it's able to do um and I, too, think this is going to hands down is going to be a nominee for game of the year uh, in 2022 for the game awards. But um, there's still a lot of time to go. There's still a lot of fucking games to come out. Um, but I would be hard pressed for this not to this. This feels like an Ocarina of Time moment, I think, in games. It's kind of crazy to think that on last like Thursday, I wasn't even thinking about getting Elden Ring. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the night before it launched, I was like. Yeah, I'll probably give it a miss. Like, I'm not really into Souls games. But something pulled me in, and now here we are. 50 and hours later. <laughs> it, was, it was it was P-Pack pre-ordering That's the game. Right. <laughs> I was like, oh, if he's going to get it, then I guess I have to dive in, too. And I'm glad you did. Yeah, man. Uh, you're pressured you into that. I thought my game of the year might be, like, I don't know. I really like tactical RPGs, so I thought maybe Triangle Strategy would have a crack at it, which... Mm. I think it's coming out tomorrow. Yeah, it's kind of forgot about it. <laughs> oh, um, yeah. <laughs> I, I enjoyed the demo. I was a little bit like less hype after playing the second demo, but still going to get it. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I like Pathologic and I like Ice, Ice Pick Lodge. So maybe it, their new game will be a contender for me. I have yet to find out. But mm-hmm. I feel like it's anybody's game, but Elden Ring definitely for me. And it sounds like for you guys, too might be one of your favorite games this year yeah you can definitely lock it up and put a bow on it for me because like i said this feels like ninja gaiden but open world um Mm -hmm. and god i hope this like if if travis is right if this is truly an ocarina of time moment i pray to god whatever god is your god it could be Allah, it could be like what buddha i don't care flying spaghetti monster but I, yes, okay. I pray to whatever God that this sparks, like, somehow Team Ninja comes back from the dead. And they say, like, imagine if we just threw Rhea Hayabusa just running around in an open world. Yes! An open yes! world, like, feudal Japan. <laughs> yes, please! Please! Japan, like, I'd Rhea Hayabusa versus too. Samurais, bro, like... It's it's already fucking written for you. Yeah, I mean, just hire been... George R. R. Martin on, and and it's a done deal. <laughs> Forget been Neo. Making the Neo games or Neo, yeah, which like already puts them close to making another imitator of Elden Ring. Yeah. Just do it. Just bring Ryu Hayabusa back. I mean, I guess one of the alluring things about Elden Ring is the freedom to create. Maybe you can come to a. Uh, some weird timeline where Ryu Hayabusa's ninja school is, and you can I mean, pick you classes just, from. Just or they could just, you know, uh, make that, it Ryu. Techno can or, just literally ship off the IP to from software and just let them fucking, you know. Yeah, I mean, if you're not going to do anything with it, please stop holding on to it. <laughs> Give me and if if three four three could send from software. Oh the Jesus Christ! Halo, <laughs> Jesus, just get, all get right. Halo away from them. All right, all right, we're done. Jesus Christ! <laughs> <laughs> I'll let it go on long enough. All right. Anyways, though, uh, I think that's going to do it for episode this week. Adam, why don't you tell people where you they can find you on the internet? Talk about everything we talked about today with Elden Ring. What we liked about it. There wasn't much that we disliked about it. I'll be honest. Um, but where can people find you online to talk about all of it? 
If you want to share your cheese strats with me for Elden Ring, you can catch me on Twitter.com at AC underscore Marshy. That's at AC underscore M-A-R-S-H-Y. Nice. And as always, my co-pilot, Mike Peepak. Mike, where can people find you on the internet to talk about Elden Ring and all we've talked about in our review of it today? I'm going to mix up the the routine here because I got to use a throwback because Adam didn't use it. You can find me where the bluebird sings yeah. at T-O-I-S-X-L-D-I-E-R. That's Toy Soldier, and the second O is an X. Or you can find me on Twitch at MP underscore Toy Soldier. You've been in love with that saying since he pulled that out. <laughs> Dude, it was, it was mad. It was like, it was money to my ears. And, and since he didn't use it, I, I could. <laughs> he fucking trademarked free it. to keep using it. And thanks again for having me back on the yeah. show, guys. It's been uh, a it was a pleasure. As always. Please come back. Yeah. Like, Mike, like we always they always come back. They always, they always come, come back. They always come back. Man. <laughs> Somehow, our shitstorm, they always fucking find their way back. <laughs> Daddy's just, home. <laughs> it's like a fungus. It just grows inside yeah. of them. Until yeah. they really They're like, it. Jesus, all right, we'll fucking... <laughs> I'll talk to these fucks again. If it's again. a shitstorm, then the eye is the safest place <laughs> to be. Right, exactly. Yeah. Anarchy. <laughs> it, comes, it comes around full circle. Yeah. And anyway... As always, I'm your host, Travis White, a.k.a. Travelis on most internet platforms, including at Travelis underscore on Twitter. You could find me there at T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S underscore. You could also find me streaming time to time on twitch.tv slash Travelis underscore, same as Twitter. And if you want to play some video games with me, or you want to come play our, uh, join our Elden Ring uh, co-op runs that we do on some boss battles, you can do so as just regular old Travelis on Xbox Live as well, too, at T-R-A-V-L-E-S-S. And this, ladies and gentlemen, has been your newest episode of the Game Pass Gamecast, your weekly go-to podcast for all things Xbox, Xbox Game Pass, and, of course, PC gaming, including rumors, news, and conversation around them damn good video games. You can catch new episodes of the show when they drop each and every Friday morning on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and all other major podcast services. So, be sure to subscribe to us, rate us, and review us wherever you get a podcast at. And if I'm not on somewhere, just holler at your boy. We'll figure it out. And follow us on Twitter at GPGC Podcast to stay up to date with everything regarding the show, video games like, and our dope giveaways. And with that being said, Mike and Adam, thank you so much for coming on the show as always. And that's going to do it for episode this week. So thank you so much for sharing, listening, and being a part of our growing community. Game on, wash your hands, listen to the doctors, Black Lives Matter, and we will see you next week.